ప్రేమ స్వరూపులైన విద్యార్థులారా విద్యా బోధకులారా సాయిరామ్ డియర్ ఫ్రెండ్స్ మై నేమ్ ఇస్ నలిన్ థ్యాంక్స్ ఫర్ జాయినింగ్ మీ యాజ్ వీ ఇంబాక్ ఆన్ అ న్యూ ఇన్నింగ్స్ ఆఫ్ అన్రావలింగ్ ద ట్రూత్ ఆఫ్ అవర్ ఎగ్జిస్టెన్స్ త్రూ ద డిస్కోర్సెస్ ఆఫ్ ద నైన్టీన్ నైన్టీ సమర్ షవర్స్ ఇన్ బృందావన్ దస్ ఫార్ క్యాప్టెన్ స్వామి హాస్ హెల్ప్డ్ అస్ అండర్స్టాండ్ ద నేచర్ ఆఫ్ ద బాడీ అండ్ ద సెన్సెస్ బట్ వాట్ ఇస్ కమింగ్ అప్ ఇస్ అ లిటిల్ మోర్ వాట్స్ ద వర్డ్ సటల్ హీఅప్ డిస్కోర్స్ సిక్స్ ఇస్ హియర్ అండ్ ఇట్స్ ఆల్ అబౌట్ ద మై When we hear the word mind, what do we tend to think of? The brain? One's thoughts? One's faculty of cognition? Swami explains it in depth and seems to suggest that there is more to the mind, or manas, as he would say. But first, Swami delivers a short, poignant poem to open this discourse, where he gives us a key to understanding this whole mind thing. Mind alone is the cause. for man's rise and fall in life mind alone is responsible for man's bondage or liberation this mind alone makes man forget his reality and land himself in hell right off the bat swami emphasizes the importance of the mind explaining that it is responsible for all dualities it can lead us into the cycle of birth and death just as it can lead us to liberation For now, let's think of it as a big brass golden key. You know, one of those old school ones which need to be inserted into a lock and twisted. If you twist right, it locks. Twist left, and it unlocks. Just like that, the mind is our key. Turn it one way, and you are free. Turn it the other way, and you might land in a hell of your own making. Sounds straightforward, right? So... How do we use this key and where is the lock which way should we twist left or right and once we know how do we actually twist in that direction oh these questions are spinning in my head at rapid speed like a like a twister <laughs> maybe let's hold these thoughts and first try to understand what this mind really is swami tells us that our existence is the combination of body mind and atma the body well Swami has already told us in the discourses leading up to this that it's nothing but an inert garment that we wear. Then there's the atma, 
which we know in theory is the true us. It's the changeless, permanent, and divine aspect of man. And then we have the mind, which essentially connects the two, like an interface. Drawing back on what Swami said in Discourse 5, the order of control needs to be based on the increasing order of subtlety. That means the body should be controlled by the mind, and the mind by the Atma. To be human is to harmonize all three aspects in this way, allowing us to then climb the ladder towards divinity. If they are divided, that is, if they all act separately, without aligning to one common purpose, then, well then we slip, slide and slither down to the animal level. Another term used to describe this interface is the antakarna, or inner instrument. Swami tests us by asking, what is the form, the nature, and the goal of the antakarna? No clue? Fear not, he breaks it down for us into four aspects to help us understand. So let's have a look at the lineup. First, there is manas. Yep, this came up earlier. Manas refers to the role the mind takes when it is engaged in thought processes. Constantly thinking, constantly moving, building castles in the air. Beyond the manas, there are three subtler aspects of the antakarana. Intellect, memory, and ego. Now, although they've been given specific names based on the functions they perform, they are simply different versions of the same thing. To help us understand this better, Swami gives us the example of a Brahmin priest. But today, we'll fill this one with the example of a cricketer. When bowling, we call them bowlers. When batting, we call them batsmen or batswomen. When fielding, we call them fielders. But there aren't three different people. It's just the one athlete doing different things. In the same way, when the manas plays the role of an empire, it is known as the intellect or buddhi and engages in inquiry, in discriminating between transient and permanent, real and unreal. When it performs the function of storing and retrieving memories, it is known as chitta. You know, like when we go, oh, I liked that flavor last time. When it identifies itself with the physical body, it is known as the ego or ahamkara. When we step back and look at it, the mind, with its various roles, has a sway over almost everything. In fact, Swami states at this point that it is difficult to come across a space where the mind is not functioning. The mind is actually the cause of all things. He wakes us up with a bouncer when he says, Mano mulam idam jagate. The whole cosmos is nothing but a projection of the mind. What a shift in perspective! This means that all the food we eat and enjoy, all the shapes, colors and lights we see, all our experiences are nothing but projections of the mind. Even the people we speak to, they only appear to be separate to us because of the mind. There is no other. How's that for an opener to this discourse? Do you feel a bit stumped? Maybe you have more questions. Hey, I sure do. Might be worth referring this to the third empire, I mean, third eye, to help us ruminate on these concepts that Swami has educated us on. Let's stay firm in our inquiry as the next episode sheds light on our thoughts. Good thoughts and bad thoughts. 
What's the difference, you ask? Best to hold that thought as Swami reveals more in this discourse. Until then, you know what to do. Stay awesome. <laughs>